if you'd bow your heads for a moment, please. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Father David has been looking at how the gospel of Jesus Christ is reflected in the story of King David through the books of Samuel and what we might learn from his experiences. In today's scripture reading, David finally becomes king over all of Israel. David was anointed king actually three times. God promised David that he would one day rule over all Israel. About halfway through the first book of, of Samuel, the prophet met with David's dad, Jesse, and interviewed his seven other brothers before God instructed Samuel to privately anoint David. Saul was still God's chosen king, but God was on the move, preparing David for his future role in God's timeline. As we move through the latter part of 1 Samuel, we see how David spent much of his time avoiding King Saul, hiding from him, not out of fear, but out of obedience to God. Even though Saul would like to have probably killed Samuel, or sorry, to kill David, if he had the chance, David respected Saul and would not, con uh, would not confront him because he was still God's anointed king. As last week's sermon took us into the second book of Samuel, David hears about the, death, the deaths of Saul and Saul's son, Jonathan. David mourns over their deaths. Rather than rejoicing over Saul's demise, David prays. Watch any reality TV show or movie today and the pattern is clear. Defeat your opponent before they defeat you. Imagine the hero saying, let's pray and ask God what we should do. <laughs> David prayed continually, asking God what to do and where to go. He said, shall I go into Judah? And the Lord said, go. What city should I go into? And the Lord said, Hebron. We tend to pray only when panic sets in or we're lost. David prayed continually. Next in Samuel 2, verses, uh, verses, chapter 2, verse 4. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over, over the house of Judah. This was not yet the fulfillment of God's anointing. This anointing by the people of Judah only led to civil war. Judah, along with the other tribes of Israel, lost sight of God's vision and purpose given to Abram to settle the lands occupied by the Canaanites. Back in Genesis chapter 12, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. While God wanted all the tribes of Israel to be one nation, in the promised land. Instead, they settled for civil strife, fighting with each other. 
All throughout this civil war, David trusted in God's promise that the kingdom would one day be his. And for seven years, David was king over Judah. Finally, we see in our Old Testament reading this morning that all the elders of the tribe of Israel coming together, their eyes must have been opened. God was bringing his promise to fruition. David was a young shepherd boy when Samuel first anointed him king. But he did not become king over all of Israel until he was 37 years old. I'm making all these references to time because I want you to understand David's rules, David's rule rather, did not happen overnight. Like God's plan for David, there was one for each of us. God calls us to be his hands and his feet. We should not sit doing nothing, but going gung-ho on our own power seldom ends well either. We see three attributes in David, which which is modeled in Jesus. Attributes we would do well when we get impatient or feel nothing is happening in our lives. Three things, prayer, patience, and obedience. Prayer. There is no such thing as too small a prayer or too much prayer for God. Prayer is coming before the throne of grace and having a conversation with the one who always is present, always knowing, and all-powerful. Who could ask for more? Prayer is a conversation with God. And God builds, God, God-like conversation builds a relationship with him. Think about your own relationship with your children or a close friend. It is wonderful to get a call from them. Perhaps they call with a request, some help for something. Maybe they just call to say hello. I was just thinking about you. I want to thank you. Maybe I miss you or I love you. Regular communication builds relationships. Look at David's conversation with God in the Psalms. The joy, love, pain, the poetry, the requests, and the anger. It all, be, it all came from the heart longing for that relationship. Through his life and ministry, Jesus was in relationship with his Father. Scripture is truly clear on how often Jesus went off to pray to his Father. Twenty-seven times in the New Testament, Jesus spoke to God, and, and, his, and his words were, the one who sent me, his Father. That would not have happened without conversation and without a relationship with his Father. The second item is patience. The rock group Queen described human nature well in a song back in 1989. Some of the lyrics go like this. It ain't much I'm asking. If you want the truth, here's to the future for the dreams of the youth. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now. King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. I'm talking about an infant, a child, a teenager, or an adult. We want it, and we want it now. 
It seems to be ingrained in our culture, certainly driven into overdrive by media, at least in the West. To be honest, isn't that pretty much, though, how we all feel from time to time at some point in our life? It's hard sometimes not to rush into things, right? My mom gave me some good advice that I still try to follow. She would say, if you have a big decision to make, and you don't know whether it's right or wrong, sleep on it and then ask yourself again in the morning. She would also say, pray about it. Now compare us to Jesus. He refused to be pushed prematurely into something because he knew the one he could trust. The first scripture that came to my mind was in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. When the devil took Jesus to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus was confident in his relationship with his father because of God's word and through prayer, patience and obedience. David, too, was also firm in his relationship with God. He knew that God would fulfill his promise. And the last item, obedience. Oh, the sin of self-reliance. We could be so quick to doubt God when he does not deliver based on our time frame. I think I'm safe to say that our plans, that our plans do not even come close to God's plan for us. More likely, the things that we are doing are building on the foundation of things to come. One day, they will appear small, uh, sorry, one day they will appear small compared to what God had in store for us. Remember the adage, hindsight is twenty-twenty. How amazing, and at the same time humbling, that it can be when God allows us a glimpse back in time. And I think the older you get, the more you'll see those things from the past. When we reflect upon the grace and the power of God alone and gives us the privilege to testify to God, to his greatness, the older we get, the more we see that. My ministry to seniors has been a blessing to me. They argue sometimes about how blessed they are, but uh, I feel as much or more blessed uh, serving them. In one lady's vision comes true. She was 95 when she passed her way. Uh, she was actually a, a Hilda Wakeley. She was a, uh, a parishioner at St. Aidan's years ago. She said that uh, if, if her vision comes true, I should see a large crowd of witnesses greeting me the day I get to heaven. <laughs> Make no mistake, we are called to serve the Lord. In the same way Satan deceived Adam and Eve, I believe he tries to trick us into thinking our serving has no influence on building his kingdom, God's kingdom. This little story had such an impact on me when I first started into ministry and um, and working with the seniors, that I taped it into the front of my Bible. It's out of our daily bread, and it's called Small is Beautiful. 
goes like this. The reading is Zechariah 4.10. Who has despised the day of small things? The writer says just the other day, someone said to a friend, this man is destined for a great ministry, by which he meant he was heading for the big time, a high profile, a high profile church with a big budget. It made me wonder, why, does, why do we think that God's call is necessarily upwardly mobile? Why wouldn't he send his best workers to labor for a lifetime in some small place? Aren't the people in obscure places who need to be evangelized and taught, aren't there ones there? God is not willing that any should perish. Jesus cared about the individuals as well as the masses. He taught large crowds if they appeared, but it never bothered him that his audience grew smaller and smaller every day. Many left him, John said, a fickle attrition that would have thrown most of us into high panic. Yet Jesus pressed on with those the Father gave him. We live in a culture where bigger is better, where size is the measure of success. It takes a strong person to resist that trend, especially if he or she is laboring in a small place. But the size is nothing. Substance is everything. Whether you're pastoring a small church or leading a small Bible study or a Sunday school class, serve them with all your heart. Pray, love, teach. By word and example, your little place is not a stepping stone to greatness. It is greatness. God rejoices in what is right not necessarily in what is big. So in summary, I look at the pastoral problem and the gospel solution, and I thank King David. The pastoral problem, too often we want to run ahead of God. We stop talking with him. Far too often we forget who is in control and we become too self-reliant. And sadly, we may doubt God is even there. But the gospel solution, follow Jesus' example. David did. Pray. God made a promise. He said, I will never forsake you and I will never leave you. Be patient. Do not be afraid to Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask for guidance. Perhaps something needs to begin. Maybe something needs to stop. And be obedient. Trust him. Even when you do not understand, trust him. Be still and know that I am God. It would be awesome if we could all have that clear vision that David had. Perhaps our first prayer should be, Lord, why don't we? Is this a time to move or should we wait? Two things might help all of us along the journey. David never sat still. He was always on the move. A wise man once told me that if you make a wrong move, God will turn you again. 
And remember the Lord's Prayer. God, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus did not say, give us enough for this week or this month or this year. He said, give us enough this day. Trust that God will provide for you, for your need each day in your life and in your ministry. For years, David prayed. He was patient and he was obedient. Finally, Samuel's anointing anointing years later was fulfilled and David ruled over Judea and then all of Israel for 40 years. It would not be a smooth it would not be smooth sailing for David, but that's a story for another day. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in prayer as your child and as your community. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Remind us how to pray as Jesus taught us. Show us how to be patient and obedient. And guide us in Jesus' name. Romans 11:36 For from him and through him and to him are all things and to him be the glory forever. Amen.